And now it's time for the most important anime program in the world, ASO Radio! Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 121 of ASO Radio for July 20th, 2008. I, of course, am your host, the one and only NZ17, and we have a wonderful show for you, and we've switched things around a little bit, so if you're a long-time fan, a couple things switched around. If you're a new fan, we're glad to have you. Uh, we're going to start things off with the fan mail instead of the news. Usually it goes news, reviews, fan mail, and the hot spot today, and... From now until the foreseeable future, we are going to start off with the fan mail to focus on our community, the people who love ASO Radio, and the people who we love because they love ASO Radio. First up, let's go ahead and get uh, things started with some fan mail from Ty. This was sent on May 19, 2008. He writes, Hey, I was searching a while for an anime show that talks about anime. I found you. Great show and keep up the good work. Hey, thanks a lot, Ty. We're great. We're grateful that you have found us and we are glad that you are listening to ASO Radio keep on tuning in we're going to have great episodes for you starting this week we're going to have a new episode every week for the rest of the summer probably into the fall and hey if we do it right maybe into the winter and beyond so keep tuning in to ASO Radio we've got a lot of exciting episodes ahead Speaking of excitement, I am very, very excited because we have a new contest. Yes, ASO Radio loves to do its contests, and this uh, one we're doing is quite spectacular indeed. It's very, very simple. Between now, July 20th, the, in other words, episode 121, and until the end of September, anyone who goes and posts a review about ASO Radio on iTunes is automatically entered into our contest. All you got to do, install iTunes. Go into the iTunes store, search for ASO Radio, write a review about us. Be honest, lie, I don't care, but write a review, make it as good as you'd like, and come the end of September, after September 30th, we are going to randomly draw one, one lucky winner from our multiple reviews, and whoever that one lucky winner is will receive $50 worth of anime goodness, whether that's box sets, manga, uh, figurines, plushies, wall scrolls, DVDs, it doesn't matter, $50 to get all the anime goodness they can afford. Uh, so like I said, all you got to do, remember, if you want to win $50 worth of anime goodness from the Right Stuff International, all you need to do is go and write a review of ASO Radio on iTunes. Just put a review on it there, and you're good. Why do we want you to write reviews? Because the more reviews ASO Radio gets, the higher it ranks in the podcast rankings. The more listeners we get, the more people that listen, the happier they are, the happier we are. Everyone wins. So, write a review, get in the contest, win some great anime stuff. Alright, well, I hope I got you plenty plump, because now we're going to go and get into our reviews. What will we be reviewing this episode? Well... Alright, so I'm going to review a nice bunch of anime for you. And by a nice bunch, I mean it's a bunch of anime, not that the anime itself is particularly wonderful. And on that note, we're going to start off with reviewing the first two episodes of Blue Seed. Now you may be saying to yourself, NZ-17, there's more than two episodes on the first DVD of Blue Seed. Uh, and I would say, yes, there are more than that. 
But Blue Seed is such an awful show, I could only watch two episodes before I said, yeah, this isn't going to become any better. This is just awful dreck. Blue Seed is actually an anime from 1995, uh, which just decides to go and do a bunch of sci-fi crap over the top. Giant tentacly monster is destroying this girl's school, and of course, she's the only one that can stop it, and there's this connection, that connection, ancient blah, blah, blah. Oh, and did I mention that somehow all of her clothes except her underwear get disintegrated by just merely touching this tentacle? But then, oh, her underwear is just perfectly fine, and she's running around scantily clad for like the first two episodes or so. It's really dumb, really a giant waste of time. I don't recommend that you even bother to watch this. Uh, the animation quality, yeah, it still holds up, but geez, the content is not worthwhile. Uh, so Blue Seed, that's definitely getting a not recommended from me. It's just, ugh, <laughs> worthless. So next, let's review something that is a little worthwhile. It's Chobits, a very cute series from that four-gal studio we like to call Clamp. Um, it starts off very cute, very naive about this country boy who's tired of his life out in the sticks, and so he comes to the big city and is envious of the future's personal computer called the Persicom. Of course, being a poor boy who just moved to the big old city and barely found an apartment that he could afford, he can't go and get one of his own. However, luck be, he finds one of these Persicoms in the trash, and taking the opportunity, drags her gigantic, hulking, heavy weight home. Of course, the girl herself is small. Oh, yes, did I mention that Persicoms are not just computers, but are females of various sizes? Yeah. Well, he drags her home and can't figure out how to activate her, but after some initial searching and confusion, finally ends up activating his robot. However, she has amnesia and cannot recall her name, and therefore, he decides to name her Chi, since Chi is the only thing that she can say. Chobits has a very competent English dub, and if you like the actors that so often show up in Funimation productions, then you'll really like the voice cast on this. If not, well, you'll still like them because they do a pretty good job. However, I found myself preferring the Japanese voice cast for Chobits. They just seemed, I don't know, to hit it a little bit better. And, of course, Chi is, uh, keep saying Chi, which is a more Japanese thing to say than an English thing, because Chi is one of the syllables in the Japanese syllabically and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. Point is, Chobits is a very cute, very charming series with a little bit of, shall we say, edginess to it that may titillate some viewers, but it's always innocent and never overtly sexual. So I'm going to go and give Chobits a uh, recommended. It's a fun little series. I enjoy watching it. And I think that you'll enjoy watching it, too. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to upgrade the rating from recommended to highly recommended. Um, later episodes try, start to get into some seedy territory, but she gets rescued. All good times. And Hideki starts to learn that there's more to the history of his Persicom than he thought. So, let's move on to the next anime. Eureka 7. Now, if any of you have the Cartoon Network, there's a good chance that you have seen this series. It's a very strange little quirky series which combines mecha with romance, with bugs and weird stuff. It's kind of out there, um, but if you can get past the weirdness in the first few episodes, it's actually an enjoyable series. Over Volume 1 of the DVD has the first five episodes, and I originally missed these when I watched the show on television, and so it was nice to go back and see some of these. However, Eureka 7 is basically boy meets girl, uh, they fall in love, he goes and tries to help her out, leaves a small little town, ends up joining a bunch of rebels. Story is 
deep, but it's more a bunch of BS than it is actual depth. Uh, it's an enjoyable series if you can go and look past some of the weirdness, so I'm going to give Eureka 7 a recommended. Now, next on the review platter, we have Galaxy Fraulein Yuna. I mean, Fraulein Yuna. Don't be fooled by the cover of this. It is not actually a movie, and it is not actually a TV series. It is actually two different OAV series. The first OAV is two episodes long, and the second is three episodes long. However, that information won't be much of use to anyone because Galaxy Fraulein Yuna is insane. It is insanely fast, it is insanely chaotic, and it's insanely unpredictable. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're watching the first two episodes or the last three episodes because you're just basically dropped in the middle of a larger storyline, makes tons of references to all sorts of stuff because this is obviously starting in the smack dab middle of some manga. And it's just so confusing that the jokes don't even have time to settle, and it's started and over, and you're left scratching your head by the end of the first episode, and things don't become any more clear by the end of this DVD. It's just a super confusion fest, and I don't recommend that anybody watches this. It's got some cutesiness to it, some nice character designs, so I'm not going to give it a not recommended, but it's only getting a neutral, and that's just barely by a hair. Alright, last we have Get Backers, an entirely skippable series that, uh, well, alright, let's put it this way. They basically took some flat character designs, threw some junk together, said, hey, let's have them fight and eat and fight over what they're eating, and blah, 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 let's just not try very hard at all. Get Backers is a story about two young men who have started a business going and retrieving things for people. Doesn't matter what it is, for the right price, they will go and get it back for you. Um, unfortunately, the only thing they can't get back is my time and money that I wasted watching Get Backers. It's very forgettable, the animation tries to impress, but it doesn't, and the music, the voice acting, all of it is just mediocre. So I'm going to give Get Backers a not recommended, uh, unlike Galaxy Fraulein Yuna, even the small little things can't go and bring this up to a neutral. I'm sorry, Get Backers is a total waste of time, and so I'm glad I can warn you, the dear viewer, the dear listener, prevent you from going and seeing Get Backers. Don't bother. It's not worth your time. Alright, well, let's go ahead and move on over to the news, because there's plenty of news for you to listen to. In keeping of the spirit of doing things a little bit different here on ASO Radio, I have decided that for the news, I'm going to spice it up a little bit by going and making my own headlines for each story. Alright, first up, oh no, here comes Tokyo Comic Con and a mono. The North American publisher Dark Horse Comics has announced that it will host signings by popular artist Yoshitaka Amano and manga creator uh, Yosuhiro Naito on July 25th at Comic-Con International in San Diego, California. Both of their signing sessions will be ticketed events. Amano illustrated the original Vampire Hunter D novels and designed the characters for numerous projects, including several Final Fantasy game installments, the Angel's Egg anime, two Gachamon sequels, and Genesis Climber Mospeda. 
Another company, Radical Publishing, is actually sponsoring his latest appearance at the convention to promote Yoshitaka Mano's Mateki, the magic flute graphic novel and planned anime adaptation. Naito is best known for creating the genre-bending Trigun action manga and anime, but he also created the Gungrave anime series and a few other smaller manga projects. A new animated Trigun movie is currently in the works. Nighthow has often attended Comic-Con International in the past as both a guest and a self-professed fan of American comics. Stan Sakai, the Japanese-American creator of Usagi Yojimbo, and another frequent attendee of Comic-Con International, will also hold a signing session on July 26th. Update! Nighthow has another signing session on July 27th as well. Can I has 100 straight weeks? The Oricon Marketing Survey Group has published the latest weekly top 200 chart for Japanese CD singles, and Suzumiya Haruhi no Sume Awasa CD has appeared on the chart for a record 100th week. It is the first CD single sung by voice actors or actresses to have stayed on the chart so long. The CD contains Aya Hirano's God Knows and Lost My Music songs, as well as Yuko Goto's uh, Koi no uh, Mikuru Densetsu from the melancholy of Haruhi <laughs> from the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya comedy anime uh, series, which seemed to be really popular in America, and oh, then the popularity died down. Death comes in all shapes and sizes. ADV Films Dialogue Director Kyle Jones has confirmed on the Anime on DVD forums that veteran voice actor Mike Kleinhentz died on July 11th of a heart attack. He was 56 years old. Kleinhentz played Kalilin in all four versions of Full Metal Panic anime. He also played the Raven in Princess Tutu, Friday Monday in Madlax, and Kabapu in Excel Saga, and of course, dozens of other smaller roles. Kyle Jones... Thank you for letting us know. Mike Kleinheinz will be missed. And the angel keeps on fighting. Anime Nation retail website reports that ADP Films will reissue the Battle Angel, Battle angel video series on DVD in North America. This anime adaptation of Yukito Kishiro's Battle Angel Alita, also known as Gunnam, Science fiction action manga was first released in 1999, and a great one it is. I recommend people check it out. The DVD reissue will be limited to 10,000 copies. When ADV Films co-founder Matt Greenfield was asked about Battle Angel's future availability at Nandesucon 2003 and other conventions, he indicated that the property was tied up with James Cameron's purchase of the live-action movie rights. The Hollywood Reporter Trade Paperback reported this past May that Cameron wants to work on biographical picture called The Dive and not on Battle Angel after his current Avatar film. Cameron has not publicly discussed his Battle Angel plan since June of 2006. Update! John Offlinger of Anime Nation notes that the upcoming shipment of 10,000 Battle Angel DVDs will not be from a new replication, but from the original pressing. Sounds to me like they're clearing out house. And by the way, has anybody checked out Anime on DVD lately? Yeah, sadly, bought up by a bigger company, and I'm sure it's going to go to crap, regardless of the promises made. I've seen it all too many times. Small company gets bought up, Loses all its soul, loses all its talent. Really a shame. Back on topic. Forget punked, you've been zammed. 
The official Japanese website of Zamb, Lost Memories Anime Series, has announced that the anime will run on the Japanese version of the Sony PlayStation Source video download service, which opens in September, or two months after this week's American launch. The site, which just moved to a new address, also confirmed that the science fiction action anime from Bones will have 26 weekly episodes. Each episode will cost 400 yen for the high-definition version or 300 yen for the standard-definition version. The rental period lasts three days, starting from the first viewing. Uh-oh, sounds like DRM restricting people again. The revamped Japanese website includes a blog, story introduction, character profile, staff, cast list, promotional video, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, according to AV Watch, the first episode of Zammed Lost Memories was reportedly the number one most downloaded item on the American PlayStation Store so far. Adult Swim to get another anime? It couldn't be. The publisher weekly Trade News Magazine has confirmed that Cartoon Network's Adult Swim publication will premiere the Moribito Guardian of the Spirit anime series on August 24th in the United States. The series adapts Nahoko Uehashi's intricately detailed fantasy novel about a spear woman who protects a prince from his own father and other enemies. The North American publisher Scholastic published the novel in English in early June this year. Media Blasters picked up the distribution rights for the anime from Guinea on Entertainment, but Media Blasters CEO John Cirabella revealed that Cartoon Network had already negotiated for the American television rights before his company became involved. The anime features Ghost in the Shell standalone complex director Kenji Kamiyama and music composer Kenji Kawai from Ghost in the Shell, Death Note, and the Ringu films. Scholastic will publish the second Moribito novel, Moribito Guardian of the Darkness, in April 2009. Oh, yay! iTunes cards. The North American anime and manga distributor Viz Media will be giving away iTunes cards, redeemable for the first episodes of three television series at next week's Comic-Con International in San Diego, California. The iTunes cards for Death Note Episode 1 will be given away at Viz's Exhibit Hall booth next to... Uh, next Thursday, followed by Naruto Episode 1 on Friday and Bleach Episode 1 on Saturday. Viz began selling these three anime series on iTunes Store in the United States this past Tuesday. Yep, that's right, people. More DRM. Nothing like restricting what you can do with videos. It's no wonder fan subs are so popular. Gohan? Is it almost time for lunch? The Sankai Shimbun paper has posted the first poster from the Dragon Ball live-action film that features uh, the main character on Friday. The poster portrays Canadian actor Justin Chatwin, who stars its son Goku, in his familiar orange gi martial arts uniform complete with the kanji for Kame, turtle for the Master Roshi or Kame Senin in the original Japanese, on the back. Just as in the previous teaser poster, the new poster's Japanese text reads, When translated, the legend comes to life. The new poster also added the following text. Opens worldwide at maximum speed on March 13, 2009. Well, it's nice to know we finally have a release date. 20th Century Fox signed director James Wong from Final Destination, X-Files, and The One to adapt Akira Toriyami's shonen fighting manga. Viz Media publishes the original manga in North America, while Funimation distributes the anime. Okay, and now this. This is the point where we try to feel good about ourselves. Yes, it's the USA Today book list for July 7th, where we all talk about the highest-ranking manga and 
how mainstream mangas become. Volume 30 of Masashi Kishimoto's Naruto and Volume 20 of Natsuki Takaya's Fruits Basket, arguably two of the most popular manga currently being published in English, remain the only Japanese comics on the USA Today newspaper's list of America's top 150 best-selling books for the week of July 7th to the 13th. After cresting at 45 and 63, respectively, sales of both volumes have dropped. Naruto number 30 ranks at 50, while Fruits Basket volume... Also, in its second full week as a bestseller, holds the 79th spot. And speaking of taking away the rights of consumers, the anime production company Toya Animation is offering English subtitle episodes of Pretty Cure and English uh, subtitled episodes of Digimon Adventure 2 for download on IGN's Direct uh, to Drive service. The first two episodes of the Pretty Cure Pretty Cure Magical Girl anime, and the first 15 episodes of Digimon Adventure 2 are now available on the service for $199 US each. These episodes are effectively restricted to American and Canadian residents with computers running Microsoft Windows 2000 or newer, Windows Media Player, and Windows DRM. Yes, yes. They all complain about fan subs eating into their money, but when they actually give us a digital version of anime, yeah, they cram it to the gills with crappy Windows DRM or iTunes DRM and then expect us to stomach it for more money than if we bought it on DVD. Direct to Drive also has anime from Central Park Media, Funimation, Manga Entertainment, and Viz Media. And thanks goes out to AnimeNewsNetwork.com for our news. Check them out, get your news, and, uh, well, come back to ASO Radio and hear our opinion on it when we read it on our next episode. Alright, let's spin the Wheel of Fate and see what we have in store for the hot spot today. Oh, hey, we're in luck. We actually have not one, but two different features for the hot spot. It's a hot spot double feature. We're going to have both manga and anim- uh, manga and video game reviews. We're going to have four manga, all from the same series, Maizenikoku. And then four different games for the Nintendo DS. So let's go ahead and start off with uh, Maizenikoku Volume 6 by Rumiko Takahashi. Now, let's see here. Number six, number six, number six. Number seven. Ah, number six. Let's see what the back of the book has to say. The sixth Maisenikaku graphic novel, Kyoko and Godai get in over their heads at the fair. As her last hurrah before heading back to the countryside, Grandma Godai brokers a dream date for her wishy-washy grandson. At long last, we meet the mysterious Mr. Ichinosa. Kentaro asks Kyoko and Godai to pose as aunt and uncle for the purposes of a three-legged race at his school. A shouting match over a hand-knit sweater from Kozue sends Kyoko over the edge. A cute country cousin comes to nurse a now-hospitalized Godai. And finally, the admission of Coach Mitaka to the next bed over from Godai forever redefines the term bedside manners. Well, if you've gone and watched the Maisenikaku anime... Uh, you should be more than familiar with this little story arc. It's well covered in the show. Um, basically, Kyoko and Godai, they go to a fair, they have to dress up, play their roles, end up getting trapped in a well, 
uh, Grandma Godai, she sets up this date for them, uh, but because the, she sends the other residents to make sure everything goes well, the other residents of Maizenikoku screw everything up, so the date turns out okay, but basically it's been sabotaged. Um, Mr. Ichinosa, the husband of Mrs. Ichinosa, is introduced. Basically, he's a hard worker that just basically ended up with her, and his life never really went anywhere. Uh, Kentaro's embarrassed by his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Ichinosa, and thus asks Kyoko and Godai to pose as uh, his relatives at the school fair. But Ichinosa's prevail, and Kentaro becomes proud for them just momentarily, however. Anyways, this all in all is a good volume, but by the time I saw it, I had already seen the same thing in the anime, so it felt like been there, done that. And even if it hadn't, eh, it wasn't the greatest anyways. So I'm going to give this one a neutral, because eh, it was just nothing special. Nothing bad, but nothing special. Alright, well, let's see. Volume 7. A shotting match over a sweater from Kazue, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Viz really needs to go and fix its descriptions. Anyways, Godai ends up in the hospital and has two unexpected visitors. His cute cousin, you know what, this was terribly written. Anyways, I enjoyed the hospital story arc, kind of neat, because at this point, is really a turning point for Maizenikoku. In the beginning, it was more slapstick comedy, kind of like Urusei Yatsura, you know, those obnoxious aliens in earlier work by uh, Rumiko Takahashi. But at this point in Maizenikoku, with Volume 7, the relationship between Godai and his long-sought-after Kyoko suddenly uh, begins to become more romantic, and they actually begin to get closer. Um, Kyoko begins to actually not only feel feelings for Godai, but becomes aware of them and um, admits to herself that she has feelings. So, yeah, Volume 7, uh, I actually like this pretty well, and it's going to get a recommended. Alright, uh, Volume number 8. A new character joins the cast of this funnier and popular comic book series. A young man named Nozomu Nikaido, who expects to move into a fancy new apartment, but ends up at the shoddy, run-down Maizenikoku. He must deal not only with the dilapidated state of the building, but also with the drunken party animals he now lives with. As for the main characters, uh, a ring makes Coach Mitaka start to worry. Meanwhile, Godai heads home to think about his future. When he returns to Maizenikoku, he discovers an ill-fated teaching stint at Kyoko's old high school, which happens to be where she first met her deceased husband, Mr. Soichiro. This was actually a mixed bag of a volume. Like I said, or the back of the book said, this introduced uh, Nozomu Nikaido, Ni, of course, being the Japanese character for two, because every character is named after the room number of which they are in in Maizenikoku. For example, Go means five in Japanese, therefore Godai lives in apartment number five, and Ni, meaning two, means Nikaido lives in apartment number two. Well, um, I thought that he was a fun and interesting addition to the cast, but his introduction was a bit overplayed as the second, uh, I would say, about half of this book is devoted to being all about Nikaido, and it gets a little bit much. Um, but other than him really stealing the spotlight in this book, uh, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it quite a lot, and if he wasn't so much of a uh, attention hog, this would have probably got a highly recommended, but uh, for now, Volume 8 gets uh, merely A recommended. 
And now, finally, Volume 9. Godai finally gets serious about finding a job. Unfortunately, Kyoko is the only one who takes him seriously, a little too seriously, when he talks about his future, misinterpreting it as their future. For the immediate future, however, he gets a position waiting tables at a resort and an eyeful when Kyoko loses her top in the pool. Once he finally lands a gig student teaching in Kyoko's old high school, a googly-eyed student named Yagami moves into his life and sneakily into Maizini Koku. Will she manage to get between Godai and Kyoko? <sighs> yes, for every step forward that this manga takes, it eventually takes a step backwards, and the introduction of Yagami is a step backwards. Obviously, Rumiko Takahashi is trying to go and paint a parallel between Kyoko's falling in love with her husband, Mr. Soichiro, and um, the reverse situation happening with uh, Godai as an unwelcome love comes into his life, or rather, she develops a strong schoolgirl crush, mistakes it for love, blah, 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 and eventually just tries to get into Godai's life, much to the chagrin of him and to the chagrin of readers. Uh, it's uh, rather annoying, and of course she busts out her female goods to try and get his attention, which of course meets with no pleasure from him. <sighs> oh well. That's the thing about Maizuni Koku and pretty much everything Rumiko Takahashi does. It's bittersweet. You get a little bit of sweetness, but with, not without the bitterness of filler or silliness or useless plot points. Um, but all in all, I did enjoy My Sinikaku Volume 9, and I'd like to go and even out the series, because I think that it edges more on the highly recommended than anything else. So I'm going to give Volume 9 of My Sinikaku a highly recommended. So then, uh, it's time for our video game reviews. What will be the... Sorry, I meant to say, what will we be going and reviewing this time? Well, uh, we're going to review Bleach, The Blade of Fate for the Nintendo DS, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow, Etrian Odyssey, and Jam Sessions. So first, Bleach, the most obviously anime-tied video game of this lot. What is it? Well, it's basically a uh, fighting game which follows the second arc of the anime, the Soul Society arc. And if you play through the story mode of this game, you'll play through a very abbreviated version of the Soul Society story. However, because you can select which character you play as, you'll see the story from a different way and also see it if different characters happen to be the victorious ones within the storyline. Uh, every time you finish a new storyline, another storyline is unlocked, but it's not that exciting because if you play as Ichigo or any of his friends, you see the Soul Society story. If you play as any of the captains or lieutenants of the Soul Society, you see a blase story about a annual fighting tournament that they all have. And it really just feels like a half-finished production. The game, while initially interesting, uh, proves to go and have moves that are too difficult to execute using the directional pad and the buttons, but incredibly easy to execute if you use the touch screen, as any of the special moves merely require a tap on the screen in order to execute. Yes, there's fighting in both the foreground and the background, and you can jump in between both of them, and there's two-on-two -two matches, as well as various combinations of characters fighting, but all in all, Bleach the Blade of Fate feels really cheaply done, and it's only going to get a neutral from ASO Radio. 
Alright, well what about Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow? Well, if you played the previous Sorrowful game in the Castlevania series, not that it's Sorrowful in practice, it's just Sorrowful in title. Um, uh, what was that one called? Aria of Sorrow, yes. Aria of Sorrow was on the Game Boy Advance, and its sequel, direct sequel, which is unusual for the Castlevania franchise, is called Dawn of Sorrow and was released on the DS. What's different? Well, besides the fact that it's on two screens instead of one, um, and that the audio quality has been upped a little bit, uh, there's really not that much different between this and the previous game. Oh, sure, there's silly things like drawing on the screen to execute certain maneuvers, and... Um, Really, you're just ending up with the same thing again. So if you played Aria of Sorrow and didn't get quite enough of the Metroid-like Castlevania gameplay where you have yourself locked of, out of all these various areas, have to get new abilities to get to these areas, um, and eventually unlock all the areas, get to the end, explore in various parts, get additional weapons, uh, switch out your equipment for other things that gives you different attack range and power, um, if you want more of that, this game is great. But if you're already tired of that from the three previous games on the Game Boy Advance, plus uh, there's already Portrait of Ruin that was released after this on the DS, which is more of the same, an upcoming game called Ecclesia, uh, another Castlevania game exactly like this, it gets like a really dead horse that has been thoroughly beaten. So, while Donna Sorrow is a good game, and unfortunately is not an innovative game, and nor does it ever try to really sort of great heights with what it actually is. And of course, just like the Mega Man games, there's this sorry excuse of why you've lost all your powers that you had at the end of the previous game. So, yeah, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow gets a neutral. Well, what about Etrian Odyssey for the Nintendo DS? Initially, I really liked the character designs for this game. However, they did not prove to be able to hold up this game at all. It's basically a randomly generated dungeon crawler. You have to draw your own maps to guide yourself through the dungeons. Maybe it's a good game for hardcore pen and paper role players uh, who really feel like playing a DS version of their favorite dungeon crawling game. But otherwise, this game should not be considered as a pickup for anyone. It's getting a not recommended. And last, we have Jam Sessions for the Nintendo DS. An application more than a game, Jam Sessions allows you to go and use the D-pad and the touchscreen in order to strum a virtual guitar and create your own music. Um, this is an interesting application of the system. Uh, and unfortunately, when it came out, it was much more expensive than it should be. Uh, even at a $20 price point, I question whether anybody should really pick this quote-unquote game up, because it's not really meant to be played as a game. It's meant just merely as a way to create music. So if you're into music, it's really great, but if you're not, it feels really pointless. There's not really unlockables. There's not really any achievements to get done. And so Jam Sessions as a game is completely pointless. As a music creating application, though, the guitar sounds are incredible, um, and it's a great way to easily create music without having to have learned how to play on a real guitar, which is a time-consuming process. So Jam Sessions gets a neutral because it 
doesn't try too hard to be anything than what it is, and what it is doesn't try too hard to be a full, complete package. So, yeah. Jam Sessions is okay, but it's really an individual choice kind of a thing. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of ASO Radio, the Internet's number one most beloved anime talk radio program. Now remember, you only have 10 weeks to go and enter our iTunes contest, so just hop onto iTunes, search for ASO Radio, and write a review of our show. It doesn't have to be positive, although, of course, we love getting good reviews. We love getting constructive reviews even better that let us know how we're doing. So jump up on iTunes, write a review, and get entered into our contest to win $50 of anime goodness through the Right Stuff International. Also, don't forget to send in your fan mail for next episode. We love hearing from our fans. It's the only way we know if we're doing good or doing bad and what you'd like to see on the show. So write in. Let us know what shows and other things you'd like us to review. Let us know what we're doing that you really like. Let us know what we need to improve. And all in all, let us know that you're alive and that everybody is listening to the show. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening in, and we'll see you in the future. You know, episode 122. Should be out next Sunday. See you then!